Assalamu alaikum. Today's surah is Surat At-Takathur, or the chapter of competing in, in excess, or competing in trying to do more or to get more of something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah by saying, Al-Hakum At-Takathur, that the want for more, the desire for more, the competition for more has distracted you. Let's first um, take a pause and look at two ahadith or two reports or narrations from the Prophet that expand on this idea of us being distracted by wanting more. The first one is the hadith of uh, Abdullah ibn al-Shakhir who says, I came to the Prophet and he was reciting this surah, Al-Hakum al-Takathur. And then the Prophet Muhammad explains, he says, يقول ibn Adam mali mali you know, the son of Adam or the human being says, my money, my money, or my wealth, my wealth. And then the Prophet responds to this question, this kind of, this obsession with wealth or this obsession with what you own. And he says, He said, and O son of Adam, the Prophet says, what money belongs to you? What money did you make use of? Unless it was money that you uh, you ate from, so you spent on food, and you finished off the money that you finished off that wealth, or you you bought something to wear, you wore it, um, or you gave it to charity, and, and that money went away. The only wealth that will benefit you is what is wealth that you have spent, wealth that you have used. You know, you know, in the famous phrase, "What is money for other than spending? What is money for? What is whatever Allah gives you? What is it for other than using?" Um, it, so money in that sense is a stepping stone to something else. You use it, you need it for something else. But we get stuck with the money itself, with the wealth itself. The second hadith is on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمُ الْفَقْرِ وَلَكِنِّي أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمُ التَّكَاثُرِ وَمَا أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمُ الْخَطَأ وَلَكِنِّي أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَمْدَ الرَّاهُ أَحْمَدُ وَإِشْنَادُهُ صَحِيح uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I'm not. I not. I don't fear that my Muslim ummah, my people, will be poor. What I fear is that they will compete in trying to get more and more and more. Uh, and I don't. And I'm. Not, I'm not fearful of their mistakes. You know, I don't mind. I'm not scared that they will make mistakes because you know we are definitely going to make mistakes. But what's more fearful is when they deliberately do things that are wrong. Both of these hadith together, they kind of draw us, draw a picture for us about the human condition." which is the human condition uh, is that human beings in general get stuck and get obsessed and get distracted by competing for more of something or the other in this world. We look at the other and we get dissatisfied. So, at-takathur is a, is a verb, is a, is a fail in the Arabic language which involves two parties competing for more. So it's not just one person, both are to blame. And in the social media era that we live in, how often is it that we see other people's clothes, their brands, their cars, where they're going to eat, so often on a daily basis, a daily snap on a daily Instagram, um, you know, on someone's story, someone's newsfeed, we're constantly bombarded with what other people are doing. And so it's difficult to not want to meet their game, to match their lifestyle, to match their living, to match their brands, to think that oh, I need to be on that level too, why should I settle for any less? And so this... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this, this takathur, this want for more, and Allah doesn't say more of what? He doesn't say more money, more food, more cars. He just says more of anything, of anything in this world that's limited to this world. It's distracted us. Distracted us from what? عن العبادة. It's distracted us from what we were created for, which was worship. 
You know, it's like imagine you you send your child to nursery, uh, you know, for example, or you, you have a sibling who goes to nursery, or you, um, you know, you buy a pencil, um, or you buy, you know, for example, you know, you go to university, you, get, you graduate, you get your certificate, but then you're jobless for two years, you don't get any job, you don't, your education doesn't help you get employment. And that certificate becomes a decoration in your house, you know, any guest that comes into your house is pointed, look, my child got a first class and brilliant, you know, a very intelligent child and X, Y, Z. So that, you will start to feel like that degree, that education, whatever it was, it was a waste. Because I did it in order to get employment, in order to get a job. But instead it's a decoration, that's not what it was for. It's, it's not... The, it's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say that you know it's wrong to want money or it's wrong to have these kind of things but is as long as these things take you away from what your main purpose was it's an abuse and misuse of those things and it's 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 a, it's a misguidance on our part um, that being said Allah has created inside us an innate a natural desire for certain things Allah mentions in Surah Ali Imran, Zuyina lin nasi hubbu shahawati minan nisa'i wal banina wal qanati wal muqantarati minan dhahabi wal fiddati wal khayl musawamati wal anami wal harth thalika mata'ul hayati dunya wallahu indahu husnul thawab. Allah mentions seven things which he says has these things have been beautified or become they've been made attractive to human beings. So Allah has created in us a desire to wear good clothes, a desire to live in a bigger house and, and to drive a fancy car. Uh, you know, the desire to, uh, you know, the attraction towards the opposite gender. Allah's created these things in us. And we shouldn't make it, we shouldn't get it wrong that religion, Islam, doesn't ask us to deny ourselves or deny our basic human natural desires. What Islam tells us to do is not to go too far, is not to get too attached, is not to let these things distract you from what you were created for, the reason you exist. That's where Islam tells us to stop. So it's a balance. Um, and, it, and it's a really a balancing game between those two. At-takathur ayyit-tafakhur. You know, uh, Sheikh Saleh al-Usayim says, Takathur is actually this kind of, this competition for fakhr, for pride, for arrogance. You know, it's the, the objective of that game, of that competition between people in a society, in a community, on social media is, is I want to be better. More, I, have more, I want to have more wealth than you, better job than you. My children are doing better than yours. Um, there's, there's, this, there's two parties involved pushing each other and each of them trying to outdo the other. However, this competition will stop. This mutual desire for something will stop. And when will it stop? Is when you end up visiting the graves. Now, it's, it's interesting here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says visiting the graves. And Sheikh Salih al-Usaymi and, and many scholars of tafsir say that actually this means when you die. So Allah describes death as a visit to the grave. It's quite strange, right? Because uh, and why is that the case? You know, it, it may be strange to the first time listener, but why is that the case? And that is because our stay in, gra in the grave is temporary. We're not permanent residents there. That's why Allah does not say until you go and just stay in the grave. He says until you visit the graves. Because a visitor only comes for a short period of time and then they're gone. And our, our time spent in the grave is a temporary period after which we will be then taken to our permanent home, which is the afterlife. So Allah talks about our, our death as a visit to the grave. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completes this surah by then beginning to talk about where our permanent residing spot will be, where will we permanently and eventually be.
in this second part of um, Surah Al-Takathur, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once he mentions the, the state, our state in this worldly life and how distracted we are by the want for more, by the greed, by the competition um, of all sorts of worldly pleasures, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brings it to uh, reminding us of what is in store with us, in store for us in the afterlife. Um, and in this context, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his, his speech is, is harsh and it's a tone of warning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla sawfa ta'lamun. Now, Kalla in the Arabic language is a, is a, you know, just imagine an exclamation mark after it. It's something you'd say, no. You know, you'd, you'd, it's, an, it's a word used for emphasis. Sawfa uh, ta'lamun, you will soon know. Now, sawfa in the Arabic language is for something that's going to happen in the future. But not in the very near future, you'd usually say Sata'lam if it's closer and sofa if it's later in the future. So Allah says you are, you are going to later on know. And you're confused, what is it I'm going to know? Allah says again, And again, no, you are going to know, you're going to find out with certainty. Meaning, um, this is the prelude, the kind of the prologue to what Allah is about to say. So the emphasis, the building of suspense, the the... The kind of stopping you in your tracks and making you realize the magnanimity of what it is to live our lives in this world distracted by the property ladder, by uh, one achievement after the other. We, we step on one side of the conveyor belt, we're born and then we you know, go to university, get a job, get married, buy a house, die. We, we just constantly and in between always our eyes are fixed on the next goal, the next milestone. Uh, you know, we never once take, take a step back and take stock of what we have and why we are here. We never once, you know, look at what we have around us and try to use those things to worship Allah, use those things to serve Allah. Rather, we're constantly looking at the next milestone, the next promotion, the next car we'd like to buy, the next, the next, the next. And in that rollover, our lives whiz by in front of our own eyes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla sawfa ta'lamu, no, you are going to know. Then thumma kalla Now this is repetition for tahdeed, for this kind of repeated threat, this warning, but putting this fear in your mind that oh, hold on, what is it that I'm going to know? Kalla again, this idea of no. If only you had certain knowledge, if only you had certainty, meaning in your worldly life. If only you had certainty in your worldly life, you would have acted differently. Certainty of what? In the Quran, this word yaqeen is used for to describe death. Worship Allah until certainty reaches you, i.e., until death reaches you. But here, if you and I had certain knowledge, so knowledge is of different levels. There's, there's something you know, it's a piece of information roaming around encircling your brain. There's there's something you believe in, but you're maybe 60, 70, 30. It's probable that it would happen. But certainty is when you're 100% sure there is not a shadow of a doubt in your mind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us here that if you had certainty in the worldly life, you would not have done what you did. You would not have lived your life rather than in God's worship, in God's service, uh, turning your mind and your heart back to Allah. You ended up being distracted. You ended up being occupied. Uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you are occupied with other things, with uh, the constant running behind, running on the hamster wheel. And if you had certainty, that would not have happened. So the solution, the medicine for, for that distraction and that constant competition we find ourselves in this worldly life, that constant rat race, that class competition we find ourselves in, the medicine, the solution for that is Al-Yaqeen. 
to build that certainty, to build up that certain and 100% sure knowledge that this world is going to end, that this life is short, that these things are temporary, these things are not worth getting attached to. And the, 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 the way we build that certainty, one of the ways we can build that certainty is by remembering death, by going and visiting graveyards. You know, we don't, uh, our certainty in the Day of Judgment is a follow-on from our certainty that death is coming. It's the one reality which we try to deceive ourselves into thinking it's not going to happen. What did our Prophet say? Remember frequently the destroyer of pleasures. You know, the, the, the killer of all happiness. What is it? It's death. So this, you know, being certain that death is coming, it's, it can, it's around the corner, it can come at any time. That certainty, that reminder. Morbid as it may be, it's not morbid for a believer. It's just a reality we swallow and we use it to motivate us forward. So, if we had certainty, Allah saying this ayah, we would have acted differently in that in the world. So there, there's a motivator, a push to increase that certainty. To check what level of, of how much belief or how, much, how strongly do I think this to be true? This idea that there's a death, there's a day of judgment, I'll be judged for my actions. I'm not here to play around, I'm not here for, uh, you know, to gather wealth. I'm, I'm here for, for a... a a deeper reason, a more profound reason. How firm is that conviction? There's something we need to check. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, He then promises us, Ay wallahi, there's, a, there's an oath he's taking here. And he swears by himself that, I swear by myself that you will definitely see jaheem, i.e. the fire. And in this word, there's two emphatic letters that make it even more, like just imagine three exclamation marks. You will definitely see the fire. You know? Allah doesn't even mention paradise here. You're going to see the paradise, you're going to see the fire. In Surah Zilzal, Allah mentioned, Whoever does a weight of good deed will see it, bad deed will see it. To hear, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mode of warning, of shaking you awake from the distractions around you. And sometimes we need that, that shaking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not saying Allah is physically shaking us, obviously, but the words are, uh, are meant to. You will, you will definitely see the fire. So Allah pulls you straight out of this world and into the vivid imagery that you'll be standing in front of the fire, in front of jahim. You know, then, uh, then you will see it, you will see the fire with the eye of certainty. Uh, you will see the fire with the eye of certainty. And this is similar to what Allah mentions in the Quran. That every single human being will see hellfire. On the day of judgment, all of us are going to pass over hellfire. So this ayah is not specific to disbelievers. These verses are not specific to just kind of put some fear in the heart of people who reject faith, reject Islam. This ayah is for you and me. Every one of us is going to pass over hellfire. On top of hellfire, there is a sirat, a bridge. In the hadith it says, thinner than a hair and sharper than a sword. And every one of us will walk over it in order to get to paradise. But some of us will fall off. Some of us will be there temporarily. Some of us will be there permanently. If we disbelieve fully and have no iman, we will be there permanently. So all of us will see hellfire. That's what Allah says, You will definitely see it. And in that moment, when we see the blazing fire, the embers, the, the pus and rocks in there, the people, you know, you know, screaming for eternity, we will immediately forget any pleasure we gain from the temporary pleasure, pleasures of this world. Then you will see it again with the eye of certainty. 
Because there's, there's nothing more certain than something that meets the eye. Al-idraku bil-his, you know, sensory perception. However, our whole lifetime in this world, we were, we were, we were supposed to have ilmul yaqeen. Although we didn't see it with our eyes, we were still meant to be certain of it. Through knowledge, through rational, logical thinking, we come to the conclusion, this must be true, it's got to be there, it, we are certain of it. Before we even see it. That's what was supposed to happen to stop us from living the lives we lived. And now we see it with our own eyes and this is the only time we finally realize. Allah then mentions that then on that day you'll be asked about an-na'im. An-na'im meaning the pleasures, the blessings that you had. So in these first, in these first few ayahs, before we get to the idea of na'im, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these ayahs, He mentions uh, three levels of, of certainty. You know, when you're certain about something, there's, there's three levels. The first one is ilmul yaqeen. You're certain about something, not because you've seen it, but you have sure knowledge about it. You have enough proof and enough uh, kind of logical deduction to tell you this thing is definitely true, like one plus one is two. You know, the world would not be the same if that was not true. So you have, you've not seen it physically, or maybe you, it's, it's something that you can't prove empirically, but you're sure of it. This is ilmul yaqeen. Knowledge that is kind of firmly uh, stable in the heart, in the mind. The second level is Ainul Yaqeen, which is uh, anything that's seen with the eyes, with, which is perceived with sensory perception. This is another level of Yaqeen, of certainty. And the third one is Haqqul Yaqeen. Um, and Haqqul Yaqeen, the definition of Haqqul Yaqeen is Al Ilmul Anil Wusuli Ilal Ma'loom. That knowledge that you have because you've actually reached the thing you're trying to know about. You're not just seen it, you've got there. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here, لَتَرَوْنَّ الْجَحِيمِ ثُمَّ يَتَرَوْنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينِ ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ And then on that day you'll be asked about an-na'im. Now when it comes to an-na'im, you'll be asked about your blessings. So Allah begins this surah by talking about at-takathur, this competition for, for holding, for greed, for, for anything of the, any pleasure in this world. And then Allah pulls us to the Day of Judgment, that we will be asked, that we will be seeing in front of us. And, and if we had certainty, we would have behaved differently. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala links the two topics. The idea of takathur, of using the things Allah has given us for competition, for rivalry, for pride, for arrogance, for, you know, for our profiles, uh, and to fulfill our desires. Allah says, you will be asked about those things. On that day, you will be questioned about al-na'im. In that light, there are two uh, really beautiful ahadith. The first is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu anhu. Um, he says that when this ayah was revealed, ثُمَّ alunna يَوْمَ إِذِنْ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ And then on that day, you will be asked about your blessings. As Zubayr radiallahu anhu, the Prophet's companion, he said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَيُّ نَعِيمٍ نُسْأَلُ عَنْهُ وَإِنَّمَا هُوَ الْأَسْوَدَانِ التَّمْرُ وَالْمَا He says, O oh, Prophet, what blessings are we going to be asked about when all we desert Arabs have is dates and water? We do, the two black things, dates and water. We, that's what they used to call dates and water, the two black things, al-aswadan. We, we don't have many blessings. We're very simple people. We're a very rugged people. The Prophet wasallam responds to him, Imma aw amma innahu sayakun. No, you will be asked about it. Even that dates and water that you think is a paltry blessing, you will be asked about that too. Rahat tirmidhiyu bi sanadin hasan. This is collected by Imam al-Tirmidhi. And another hadith, um, similarly, the Prophet ﷺ, he leaves his house and he sees Abu Bakr and Umar these two close companions of his, and he asks them, What's brought you out of your house is at this time? So 
you know, they all agree and realize that what's brought them all out of their houses is hunger. So they come to, um, they keep going to houses of people from the Ansar, from the people of Medina. Now remember, the Prophet Muhammad, Abu Bakr and Umar are immigrants from Mecca. And there are more wealthy residents in Medina who they can go, go, for, go, go to for help and go to for food. Um, so they, they go to one of the houses of, of the Ansar, of the people of Medina. And this person brings them some food. And and his two companions, they, they eat the food. And they fill themselves When they, they'd eaten and, and drank to their fill The Prophet said to Abu Bakr and Umar I swear by the one who controls my soul Or whose my soul is in his hands You will be asked about this food and drink on the day of judgment you, you were kind of pushed out of your houses by hunger But somehow, by this miracle You left your houses in hunger And there's nothing but hunger that pushed you out of your homes But you return homes with your bellies full So this is the... And, and imagine that Allah swears in such an emphatic way uh, I swear you will definitely be asked about the blessings And the narrations, the reports surrounding this word The blessings are to do with simple food and drink Imagine, you know, the, the foodie culture that we have Of snapping our food uh, You know, snapchatting what we're eating Which dessert bars we're going to this, this culture of As Muslims we don't have much recreation to do We can't go to the pub Let's go and eat food Let's go and keep eating food And it becomes so normalized We don't appreciate the blessings of that food and therefore, this, this reminder from the Prophet ﷺ and from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself before that, you will be asked about that food. And this, this foodie culture, this is maybe a tangent, but the Prophet ﷺ, one of his concerns was always kasru qulub al-fuqara, not breaking the heart of poor, poor people by not showing off to them. And that's why one of the rulings, one of the perhaps some people find strange rulings in Islam is the, the fact that having gold or silver utensils is haram. It's, it's impermissible to have pure gold or pure silver bowls or vases or, or plates that we have at home. And one of the reasons for that is because it would break the heart of poor people to see like, you know, they're, they're struggling for, for dates and water, for food and drink. And here you are with your gold and silver cutlery, pure gold and pure silver. And so this idea of um, your, your livelihood or your standard of living allows you to go and eat out at these fancy places. But we don't appreciate we don't appreciate that food and drink. We don't appreciate it as naim, as a beautiful blessing Allah has given us that we will be asked for. You know, how grateful were we for it? Did we just consider it normal? And did we show it off to everybody else to make them feel bad that they could not enjoy that standard of living? This is just food for thought. Food for thought. Uh, Wallahu alam.